Okay, I think we're on. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning on Zoom. Oh, you even said good morning in the room. Well done. I can hear you. Oh, is that people on Zoom? You're so loud. It's great to see you. Um, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're continuing with a challenging few weeks, with a, a, a few challenging subjects. And um, it's important, isn't it, as Christians, that we look at what the Bible says about all areas of life. Amen? Amen. That's right. Amen? Yes, I'm glad you agree. So, some of you will find, as you did last week, I'm sure, some of what I'm going to say challenging to you personally. And what I want you to uh, remember is that I can't cover every aspect of the subject I'm touching on. We're going to be touching on marriage, marriage and divorce, sex, and singleness. A lot in there, right? So um, I appreciate your prayers as we go along. And I'm not going to be able to touch on all the various caveats and what if this, what if that, what if this. I'm going to be giving you some pr- the principles of God's word. And um, ultimately, if there are issues in your life that you need help with, talk to me or one of the pastors, Nev, Jem, or our wives, because we're here as your shepherds, we're here to help you and to guide you in your life. And we do love you, and we want the best for you, as God does. Your Father in heaven wants the best for you. And going our own way from him may seem like the most fun thing to do, like we heard about the prodigal son earlier. It seems like the most fun thing to do and the wisest thing to do to go our own way. But it's not. Going God's way, which is often called the narrow, Jesus calls it the narrow way. And he says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And this narrow way is offensive to many people. And I trust we'll be humble enough to listen to Jesus' word, to listen to him and follow him. Jesus, if, if you read his, the Gospels, many oftentimes people were offended at him and often people just left him. In fact, we remember that Judas Iscariot betrayed him. Christianity is not a popularity contest. Church is not a popularity contest. We're about seriously following Jesus, seriously wanting to obey him, seriously wanting to live for him. And that does include joy, true joy, true satisfaction, true purpose. But as that's found in living for him. I'm I'm talking a lot before I've even started and uh, I've got a lot to get through. Lord, I pray for us this morning. I pray for myself that you would give me wisdom and help. I pray for those on Zoom today. I pray for those in the room today that you would speak, Holy Spirit, and give us the humility to obey. Help us, Lord, not to be arrogant, petulant, and rebellious. Help us, Lord, to listen to you with, with, with great humility. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Firstly, I just want to touch on something. Last week, we looked at these words, flee from sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I just wanted to start, because as I was praying this week, as I've been thinking about this, I just felt the Holy Spirit leading me to something. It says, flee from sexual immorality. And we talked about what sexual immorality is. All forms of sex outside of Christian marriage. We're talking to Christians, remember. This is written to Christians. And I said last week, we live in a world that will make its rules and do its own thing and, and live its way. And we must be kind and gentle and live in the world that we're in. We, we live in it. We go to work with normal people and we've got to be friends with them and kind and patient with them. And we trust they'll do the same toward us as well. We trust that what's called tolerance works both ways. It often doesn't, but hey, we're Christians and we must love people. But anyway, we are to flee from sexual immorality as Christians, that is. And then it goes on to say, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? So raise your hand if you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Just raise your hand if you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on, be bold. Be brave. That's it. That's it. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what you are as a Christian. A temple of the Holy Spirit. That's your identity. That's the greatest privilege you can possibly ever have. God living in you, because Jesus' blood, Jesus' death, has taken your sin away, and you can therefore have the Holy Spirit living in you. Do you not know these things, he says, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You're not your own. We're not our own as Christians. We belong to Jesus. We're following Jesus. You were bought at a price, therefore honour God with your bodies. When it says honour God with your bodies, that's talking about sexual immorality. Don't commit sexual immorality. That's what, that's what it means here. There's lots of things you could say about the body. It's not about dieting. It's not about exercise. It's not about these things. It's about sexual immorality. Context gives you the meaning of the words. Now, what I want to say is this. That this, this idea of the pursuit of purity is linked to the, the, linked to the presence of God. If you want the presence of God in your life, if we want the presence of God in our church, we've got to pursue purity. Now, don't get me wrong. We can, we can look the part, right? We can have a great band. We can dance and be merry and act like it's a great party. Have flashing lights. And all go away, all go home saying, wasn't that a great meeting when God wasn't present? God is not present in a church that doesn't care about sexual immorality. You can find many churches that don't care about sexual immorality. And I can understand the temptation, don't get me wrong. 
Don't think for one minute it's easy for me to stand here and preach on these subjects. It's not at all, and I trust it's not always easy for you to sit and listen to them. We live in a culture that's not tolerant of this kind of teaching. And some of you you will be tempted to move away from it because you don't want to be despised at work. I even, I've even heard Christians say, I don't want to go to this church because some of the stuff we teach is embarrassing to them. And these were mature Christians. These are difficult subjects, but let me say to you, friends, if you want to know God and the joy of God and his presence in your life, then you've got to pursue purity. If you want to know the happiness of knowing God, you've got to pursue purity. Now, we're not talking about perfection. I'm very aware of my own failure in this area. But Jesus is talking about the pursuit of purity. It's one thing to say, I'm a failure, Lord. Forgive me. Let me carry on pursuing purity. But it's a very different thing to say, actually, what Jesus taught wasn't right. Sexual immorality is fine. You can live however you want. That's a very different thing. And I trust there's no member of this church that takes that view. So what I wanted to start with was by saying this. The pursuit of purity is not about your misery. It's about your joy. It's about your joy. Returning to the father, as we saw with the prodigal son, is joyful. Returning to the Father is the best place for you. Living in rebellion, living far from God, outside of his wisdom and his word, is harmful to you and society as well. So let me start with that. I'm going to go through these verses uh, relatively slowly. We're going through chapter 7. We'll see how far we get today. So... I want to talk about the gift. Both marriage and being single are called a gift. They're a gift to you. I know it may not feel like it sometimes. You can be married and feel like it's a burden. You can be single and it can feel like a burden. When you're single, you can sometimes say, I wish I was married. And when you're married, you can sometimes wish you were single. And um, it, it, these things don't always feel like a gift. That's why we need to be reminded that they are a gift. If you are married, your spouse is a gift to you. Your marriage is a gift to you. It's God's will for you. Even if it's it's tough, that's why you need to be reminded of it. It's a gift to you. And if you're single, there can be lots of pressure. There can be lots of, um, you know, watching films and all stuff. There's so much pressure on you to be discontent and dissatisfied. And Christians can say unwise things as well. And I can say unwise things. I appreciate that. And sometimes we can emphasize marriage in our preaching and you can feel left out and so on. I understand that 
you can sometimes be made to feel discontented. But I want you to know that whatever people say, and they will continue to say unwise things, and people will continue to say, and films will continue to be made where romance is the ultimate aim and all the rest of it. You, that will continue to happen. So, you, so I want you to know that God, your singleness is a gift to you for your good. For the present time, it may be that you get married at another time, of course. And, and Nev will be talking more about that next week. But let's continue with this. Now, chapter 7. Sorry, chapter 7, verse um, 7 of chapter 7 says this. I wish that all of you were as I am. That is single. And he's going to talk about why that is. But I'm not going to particularly focus on that. But each of you has your own gift. And that's why I'm talking about gift. Each of you has your own gift from God. And that gift, again, context gives the meaning, is about marriage or singleness. Each of you has your own gift. One has one gift, one has another. So some people have the gift of marriage, some people have the gift of being single. And that is a good thing. And the first thing I want to talk about is pursue your gift. So the title of today is Pursue Your Gift. Say Pursue Your Gift. Okay, and we're talking about marriage or singleness. Uh, if you go away from nothing today, I want you to, to know that you've got a gift from God. If it's marriage, pursue it. If it's singleness, pursue it. Pursue it. Enjoy it. Make the most of it. Enjoy, enjoy the freedoms you have. Enjoy the, thing, enjoy the uh, romance you have. Enjoy the time you have. It, whatever, you, whatever benefits you get from your singleness or marriage, pursue them and enjoy them. And they've both got their benefits that you can pursue and enjoy. Amen? So pursue your gift. That's the point this morning. Now, this verse, verse one. Now, for the matters you wrote about, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So the Corinth... Corinthian church is a weird church. And it may be a bit like us. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I'm sure there's lots of weird stuff going on in your head. We're a variety of people here. Um, I hardly understand what's going on in my own head, let alone you guys. You know, we've all got lots of stuff going on. And Paul, Paul is talking about here, we, we've looked last week, some people are struggling with prostitution. Some people are struggling with same-sex attraction and same-sex same sex relationships. Some people are struggling with sleeping with their mother-in-law. There's all sorts of, of stuff going on in this uh, church. People are divorcing. People are, uh, and, but they're also saying it's good for a person not to have sex. In other words, there are some super spiritual people at Corinth that are saying that if you really want to be spiritual... If you really want to know God, then you've got to not have sex. And I know for some of you are thinking, what? What kind of weird world is that that they live in? But I want to tell you now that if you meet super spiritual people, you will meet some of the strangest people on earth. You will get all kinds of strange stuff when people go, hate, go weird on religion. And one of them... It's around sex. 
Don't have sex, and then you will please God. Sex is just about having children and whatever it is. Okay? Let me just blow that out of the water for a minute. Sex is not just about having children. Sex is also have for fun. That's the benefit of being married, right? It's one of the benefits. Pursue it. But these people were saying, don't have sex. Keep away from it. Because then you'll be super spiritual and God will really bless you. Paul is addressing this issue. He says, but since, verse 2, sexual immorality is occurring. And the reason why I'm going through very carefully in this, these verses, is because I sometimes feel that preaching is like this. We read a text and then we just say a load of stuff that is just not necessarily related to what's actually written. I want you to really see that what I'm trying to do this morning is actually read through the Bible and explain it. And I hope in your own time, you will go through the Bible yourself carefully. Because you become like the culture you're saturated in. You are saturated in a sexual, perverted and weird culture. It seems normal what the culture you're in. But people looking in at us are going, what are they up to? culture that's so deviant and destructive in its sexual promiscuity and strangeness. And you're in that culture. So if you don't get into fellowship in the church and personally getting into God's words, you will become like the culture you're in and end up in destructive relationships. Please, friends, Devote yourself to God's word. Otherwise you will just become like the culture around you. And you'll look back in, if you're a young person, in say 20, 30, 40 years and say, why did I make such stupid mistakes? Rather than have the joy of being a temple of the Holy Spirit that you can have. And even if you've made mistakes... Like the prodigal son, there's forgiveness and opportunity, new fresh opportunities for you. So it goes on. Since there is sexual immorality occurring in the church, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. And each woman, her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, that's sex. And likewise, the wife to her husband, that's sex. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In other words, she seeks to please him with her body. Likewise, the man does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to her husband. So he yields it to his wife. The husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. So rather than sexual immorality, because when sex is, is withheld... From your partner, it can, but you know, if you're super spiritual and your partner isn't agreeing with you with this, it, it creates tension and it creates a breakdown in your relationship. And that may be why some were going to prostitutes because of the destructive nature of withholding sex from one another. Oh, this is a difficult su- subject this morning, isn't it? Ah, yes. Marriage includes the duty. Of sex, sorry to put it like that. 
We serve one another sexually in marriage. This is God's design. Genesis chapter 2 says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So this is God's design for marriage. Are we humble, though, about this? This is God's design. The two will become one flesh. That's about sex. Man, woman, the complementary physical natures of both, becoming one flesh. Marriage involves the pursuit of a healthy sex life. I'm aware that there are single people in the room. We will be talking more about this next week, and I will touch on it today. But we're talking about the, t- the text that's in front of me. A healthy marriage needs honesty about sex. We need to seek to serve one another's interests and enjoyments. The man and the woman, both mutually seeking the good of the other, not selfishly seeking their own good. Then it goes on verse 5. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. So he isn't saying this as a concession. He's saying if you're super spiritual, and if you really do want to stop having sex fast from it, as it were, if you really want to, you can. I'm not recommending it, but I'm saying, you know, okay, and this is what we often do with one another, isn't it? Okay, as a concession, all right, you, you have your way on this. But let me just give you a few guidelines if you really do want to give up sex fast for a period of prayer. Let me give you these guidelines. He says that uh, it's to be mutually agreed. So the one party can't just say, I'm not having sex with you because I want to pray. If you are that way inclined. It's for a time. Short period. Let's be aware that we can give Satan an open door of resentment through sexual misconduct. Sex may, may, sex may not be part of a marriage for all sorts of re- reasons, such as ill health. There may be reasons why you don't have sex, of course. Again, that's one of those caveats. I can't touch on everything. But what Paul is talking about is, is, two, is people who should be having sex who are not because of some super spiritual reason. And he's saying to them, pursue your gift. Sex is given to you as a gift for a healthy marriage. It's called making love for a reason. The physical act creates a bond between you. And if you want to feel more in love, have more sex. 
Try saying that on a Sunday morning in church. Singleness is a... Sorry, carry on with this, okay? I wish that all of you were as I am, verse 7, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. So you need to pursue your gift. Paul points to the positive nature of being single. Again, I said, we'll look at this more next week. However, we must see that it's a gift. Each has their own gift. We talk about gifts, charisma, gifts of tongues, gift of prophecy, gifts of healing. About gifts of singleness as well. It's a gift to you. It may be for life, it may be for a short period, but why, whilst you're in it, it's a gift. And God gives good gifts. Amen? Good gifts. It's, Jesus has come to me, all who are burdened. My burden is not, my burden is not, not heavy. Don't weigh yourself down. Don't weigh yourself down. By thinking somehow that getting married, if you're single this is, is going to solve all of your existential problems, you get a different set of problems and a different set of joys by being married, but you also got a different set of problems and a different set of joys by being single. And Paul says, actually, I wish you were like I am. Because of all sorts of positive reasons there are from be- for being single. And Jesus himself, let's not forget, was single. So whatever people say, and however you're made to feel, I, cannot pro- I, I, I can promise you this now, people are going to continue to make you feel bad on occasion for being single. You can't change the world around you. You can't, you, you know, of course you can correct people and so on, but, but what you can do is this, be secure in yourself Trusting in God that this is a gift and whatever people say around me and however they try to make me feel, I am going to enjoy the stage of life that God has given to me. Don't be miserable. Enjoy the gift. Marriage is also a gift, it says here. And it can flourish. It can flourish. No matter how dead it looks, how miserable it looks, how cold it feels, it can flourish. It's about faith. Faith. Where's your faith? Do you trust God? Do you trust He can resurrect your marriage? It's about faith. You know, we sometimes we have faith that I'll. Faith can, God can heal the sick. Yeah, he can also heal your marriage. He can, he can raise it up. He can make it better than it ever was. When we're tempted to run out on our marriage because it feels cold and miserable and maybe I made a mistake. No, it's a gift. And it can be better than it ever Yeah. Oh, that's working again. Let's keep it there.
there, just in case. Okay, so a few points of application. Pursue a great marriage. Pursue it. Stop being passive. Particularly, I want to talk to men in marriages. The Bible speaks of you as being the head of your household, the spiritual head of your household. And a massive part of that is you take responsibility and be active and don't be passive. It works, of course, don't get me wrong, wives... Again, single people, I'm talking about marriages here now. So, wives, don't be passive. Husbands, don't be passive. If you are passive, you will drift. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next year. You'll drift further. Don't, don't, don't be just assume and presume that your marriage is going to last te- 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 the test of time. It's, you and I both know strong marriages that have ended in divorce. And we should not presume that any of our marriages are, are bomb-proof, as it were. We need to pursue it, pursue the gift. Have an honest talk about the health of your marriage. And and in response to the things we've just been looking at, ask this question, which may be embarrassing, and if it is embarrassing, maybe there's an issue. Am I meeting your needs sexually to the other? Am I meeting your needs sexually? Because Paul has talked about it. Don't withhold it. Pursue it. Invest in it. More broadly, ask the question, how can I love you in our marriage? How can I love you better in our marriage? I hope you've maybe written down those questions. Or you've got your own questions. Maybe you're already asking great questions. Maybe you're doing this better than I am. But um, let me just encourage you this morning. Pursue your gift of singleness, secondly. So pursue your gift of marriage through healthy sexual relationships, as we've just been looking at. Pursue the gift of singleness. It says here, now, verse 8, to the unmarried and the widows I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. It's good to stay unmarried, as Paul does, as Jesus did. It's good. So there are all sorts of good reasons to stay single. But if they cannot control themselves, now obviously this is the English translating the Greek. If you cannot, if if you feel a real great desire for sexual intimacy and for marriage for relationships. They should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. It's good to stay unmarried for various reasons. More about that, as we said, next week. But it's good. And that's really the the main thing, really. It's just trusting God for this gift, for this season, that it's a good thing. Whether it lasts for a lifetime or for a period, 
Enjoy the gift you have. However, it's good also to marry. So, single people, if you want to marry, if you desire to be married, be proactive about that. Be proactive. Firstly, pray. Pray. Somebody once said, if God were to answer all the prayers you prayed last week, what would you get? And for some of us, it would be nothing. And so, if you want to be married, pray. And pray for the kind of person you would want. And that is obviously someone who's going to really inspire you in your life and do you good, inspire you to live for Jesus and the kingdom of God. Pray, 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 pray. Be proactive. Talk to people. Get over that. I understand you may feel shy and, and, and hard, find it hard. But if you want to get married, you've got to talk to someone, haven't you? You've got to, you've got to go and take, hello. I haven't met you before. Think of a script. Hello, I haven't met you before. My name's. Um, do you live around here? Uh, how do you know? Da, da, da. Think of a script. Think of something you can say that can help you. But you've got to be proactive first in prayer, and you've got to talk to people. And there's nothing wrong with being single. There's nothing wrong with desiring to be single for your entire life. In fact, it's a good thing. And there's also nothing wrong with wanting to be married. We live in a strange world where when you talk to young people and talk about their ambitions, they talk about things like, oh, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be this. It's somehow we've become embarrassed about one of the most important things and the most joyful things we can have, which is getting married. It's a great ambition, a godly ambition. But that's not to say that it's also a godly ambition to want to stay single as well. So, pursue your gift. Fight for your marriage, finally. Fight for your marriage. Fighting to restore love in a marriage can be like one of the hardest things and the hardest battles you will ever face. It's hard to do something you don't want to do. So, you don't if you don't love your spouse or you don't feel in love with your spouse anymore, it's hard to raise yourself up and say, right, I'm going to be proactive and build a friendship. I'm going to seek to restore love. I'm going to seek to serve this person. I'm going to seek to pray for this person. I'm going to seek to be romantic to this person. I'm going to seek to court this person. To, to win them back to my heart. That is a hard thing. And it requires faith in God. Faith in God. If you have faith in God, that this is a gift, your marriage is a gift, then you must pursue this by faith. Faith moves mountains, including the mountain of the coldness of a broken down relationship. 
To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. He's quoting, he's looking at Jesus' teaching and he's saying, a wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. A husband must not divorce his wife. Now, I can't cover all of this in great detail, but the point is this. You should not initiate a divorce and separation. Someone may initiate it against you. Someone may run away from you. Someone may leave you. But resolving yourself, I am not going to initiate. In fact, I am going to do the opposite. I'm going to pursue a healthy and restored relationship. And you may need friends and you, and you may need the pastors of the church to help you. But do you see the eyes of faith? If you can, if you can just see this. Don't, don't, don't see through the eyes of man. Don't see through the eyes of pessimism. Don't see through the eyes of this culture. See through the eyes of faith. What can God do? What can God do? Well, can, can, God, can God raise the dead? Can God raise the dead? Can, can God heal the sick? Can God cause Peter to walk on the water? Well, with the eyes of faith, you see, can you see what your marriage can be? Reflecting the beauty of Jesus Christ and his relationship with the church? That's what it's meant. We're all falling short of this, no matter how good your marriage is. We all got to get eyes of faith this morning and see our marriages are meant to represent the relationship between Jesus and his church. And we all need to pursue that. It may be really cold. It may feel really healthy. But whoever we are, we've all got to pursue a greater vision for our marriages. Don't be passive. Be prayerful. And this issue here of divorce. What I need to say is simply this. If you are in a condition where you're spouse has left you you've got to do all you can to be reconciled to them I understand there's all sorts of caveats in there what about what about what about what about which the, the principle is this have you done and are you doing all that you can to be reconciled to them are you being the innocent party are you doing all that you can as far as it depends on you are you pursuing this gift? Now, that person may not respond to your pursuit. That person may be hard-hearted. That may, person may run away. That person may, never, there's no way I'm coming back to you. We've got to talk about that. That's a, that's a conversation, a personal conversation, isn't it, between pastors and members of the church. We can't be giving every uh, it's just it's just such a a, a, a mass amount of um, different examples that it's impossible to give every example but the principle is this pursue the gift of marriage pursue it do not pursue divorce pursue to build your marriage so the band are going to come up
Pursue your gift. If you are married, pursue it. Build it. Pray for it. Invest in it. Make it more and more like that image of Christ and the church. If you are single, enjoy that gift. Be faithful to your Lord. You're married to Christ. He is in your life. He loves you. He's with you. Enjoy that gift. Pursue the gift. And remember all these things, my friends, my brothers and sisters, are for your joy, for your good, not for your harm. Amen? Thank you for listening. And as I said, there may be some issues here that you feel you need to talk about. Please do make a time to talk to myself and Helen, Jem and Susie, Nev and Rachel. We love you. We want to help you. And uh, we'll be very happy. If you're single and struggling, if you're married and struggling, whoever you are, we, we love you. We want to help you. That's what we're here for. Let's stand. We're going to worship God together.